Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. That we as a church body can come together. And we can come to the fact that we realize that we are here in Christ alone. And it's because of what you have done for us, the way that you have given to us, that we can come back and give back to you. And so God, may today your word be ever true in our lives. That it be something that changes us from the inside out. As we leave this place, we are different because of your word. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Lance Millsaps, and I'm the minister to students here at Dawson. And I'm honored to be able to have the privilege to share with you guys today. And uh, so I want to start by telling you a story. About six or seven years ago, I was um, with a group of high school guys going to the Dominican Republic for a mission trip. It was a basketball trip. And so we were going there to play against many of the Dominican national team players. And at halftime and after the game, we would have the opportunity to share the gospel with with the fans, the crowd, as well as the opposing teams. And it was a really neat experience to see teenagers, coaches, Uh, uh, and then grown adults of the Dominican people giving their life to Christ through the game of basketball. It was a really neat opportunity for me, but also for our students that went with us. And as well as that, we also got to go into the villages and providing needs, um, fulfilling the needs um, of many of the people uh, in the the Dominican Republic. It was one of those experiences that changed my life forever and one that I will always remember. Um, But one of the takeaways I have from that is not nearly as spiritual as those things, but one of the takeaways I have from the Dominican Republic when I got home is I realized that is the hottest place on the planet. Uh, There is, it is literally like you're on the face of the sun. You can walk outside. The moment that you open up the door and step outside, you are in a full sweat. And I'm not talking about girls, we're not glistening here. We're talking about full-on flop sweat. I mean, it's just, you just deal with it. It's part of it. But one of the things that I noticed while there was there was not a lot of trees. There was not a lot of place to go and find shade. That you could go in and just take a little bit of a break, a little bit of respite from the heat. But you come back here and you, and you, and you walk through Birmingham and you can't go 10 feet without giant shade trees. And for, you know, and, and for many of you in your own home, you desire that so much that you've planted your own. That you start out with a little sapling and you've and you got the wooden sticks that hold the tree up that as the storm comes, that you weathers through the storm and it makes it all the way through. It, you hope that it grows and can provide cover for your home so that it helps with your electric bill. You, you, it's a place for your kids to play. Or if you're like me, you've, you've benefited from moving into a home that already had giant trees built or planted in your yard already. And that years ago, someone took the time to plant a tree that you're now benefiting from. I saw a, I saw a video in the past couple weeks of Mike McCluskey, and you probably don't know that name, but Mike McCluskey is, the, is a manager, and he's the creative, creative developer for Six Step Records. It's the Christian music um, record label that Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman, David Crowder, those, the, some of our modern-day worship leaders that they've all signed with. But he was talking about a, a, a podcast or some interview that he saw of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, maybe and arguably the most, uh, the greatest investor of our of our lifetimes, and Warren Buffett made this quote. He said, "Somebody is sitting in the shade today, because someone else planted a tree a long time ago. Someone is sitting in the shade because someone else planted a tree. And if you take a look at Dawson Memorial Baptist Church, we have a lot of trees." 
Not just the ones that are planted outside, but we have a lot of spiritual trees at this church. There has been people that have gone before us that have planted, and as a result, we are benefiting today from it. You can, you can look at how since 1925, since these doors opened, that our community is a better place. That, that our schools, that our students, that our families, our people have all benefited from the shade of those that have gone before us. It was because of their generosity and because of their abundance and giving that we are reaping the benefits of those that have gone before us. And so today, we want to talk a little bit about that. But this, this story of the trees, it reminded me of a passage from Jeremiah 17. Starting in verse 7, it says this, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. I love the part where it says that our confidence is in him because it's when we realize that everything we own already belongs to God, that we don't have to place any confidence in ourselves, but all of our hope and our trust can be in him. That there is nothing that we could provide today or next Sunday or any time to God that he's in need of. That brings a lot of confidence to us. Our confidence can be in him. And as a result, we will be like a tree planted by the water. So as we look today at Abundant Sunday, a day where we are asking you to maybe give a little bit above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. We want to be like those that have gone before us. That we can give so that those that come after us, the generations behind us, the generations of you, after you, your children, will one day be able to benefit because of the gifts that we've given today. That they will be able to take comfort in the shade that we provide. And so that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. Um, and in doing that, we are in our fourth Sunday of, stewardship, of, of our stewardship series. And Three weeks ago, Brad Gowling started out teaching us about the value in giving and teaching the generations behind us about the value in giving. Then Randy Poe came up two, week, two weeks ago, and he taught about obedience in giving and that we should be prepared to give in our tithes and offerings in the same way that we'd be prepared to go on a vacation to Walt Disney World. And then last week, Tim Simpson came, and he, he shared about sacrificial giving and how it's not necessarily about the amount that you give, but it's your heart behind it. So that leaves me today with not a lot to say. <laughs> um, so, John, if you want to dismiss us and come to, um, that'd be great. No, I, I'm a preacher. I want to talk. So I, I'm going to talk a little bit. But I feel like God really has something for us to say, something to say today to us. And really, it's about the why. We want to talk about the why. Why do we give? Why do we have a stewardship emphasis? Why do we talk about Abundant Sunday? And it's not something that is going to, you know, be alter, you know, life-altering, earth-shattering, nothing new or different than maybe anything you've heard before. But in fact, the reason we have an Abundant Sunday, the reason we talk about stewardship in the church is because it's the, it falls into line with the basis of our faith. It falls in line with the foundation of Christianity. We give because he first gave. And he gave his very best. He gave enormously. It goes back to the very first verse that many of you probably ever learned, the very first passage many of you probably ever memorized, and that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when he, what did he give? He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. 
That is a massive gift. That is a gift that we cannot comprehend. It is a gift that did not cost us anything, but it cost him everything. And as a result, we are able to be free. We are able to be forgiven. And so why do we give? Because he gave first. And in response to that, we only have one option. And this, our life becomes all about Jesus. Because of the gift that God gave, that he, that he so loved us, that he chose to send his son to die on the cross for us, that he loved us so much, our, our response only can be that our life is all about Jesus. Uh, let me illustrate for you. You know when you're driving down the interstate, uh, 65 or 20 or you know, 450, wherever it may be, you're going on a trip and you're looking for somewhere to eat and you always glance up to the billboards looking for where the next place that you're going to stop is. And there's always one that you're always looking for. It's the white billboard. It's mostly white. It's got some black lettering on it. It's normally got a couple cows in the corner that don't know how to spell. You know, they're teaching our children horrendous grammar. You know, but the one thing they are doing is offering to us the most delicious chicken on the planet. You know, it must have been manifested out of heaven. It's our modern-day manna kind of thing. You guys know what I'm talking about. We're talking about Chick-fil-A, right? Everybody loves Chick-fil-A, and now all of you are mad because it's Sunday and you can't go, okay? But we love our Chick-fil-A. But here's what we know about Chick-fil-A. We know what they are all about. They use cows to promote chicken. It's brilliant, right? And their slogan every time, they always write, eat more chicken. It's not spelled correctly, but we know what they're about. And for those of you that know me well, these guys will definitely attest to you on this. Uh, I am I'm a, something a little bit more dear, near and dear to my heart than chicken um, is going to be my shoes. I, I love my shoes, and I, I'm kind of a snob about my shoes a little bit. I only, um, I only will wear one brand of tennis shoes, and it's, it's, it's Nike. And I don't, it's just my vice. It's, it's something I deal with. I ask for forgiveness regularly. But, you know, it's one of those things that it's, you know, if you like Adidas or Under Armour, it's okay for you to be wrong, but this is just how I am with Nike. I just, that's the way I, that's who I am. But one thing about Nike since 1987, you know who they are. You see a swoosh or you see three words, just do it. And every time you see one of those two things, you know who, what you're looking for, you know what you're talking about, you know what they're all about. Just like Chick-fil-A, you know what they're all about. But my question for us this morning is, if, if your life is a living billboard, does it say Lance Millsaps is all about Jesus? Does your billboard say it's all about Jesus? I hope that it does. I hope that it can, but I know that it always doesn't. But the reason, the only way that our life can be all about Jesus is when, when I finally fully understand all that Jesus has done for me. Your life can only be all about Jesus when you recognize and fully understand all that Jesus has done for you. And it's in that time when you realize that him sending his son, that God, for God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The only way that we have that salvation is because he got on the cross. And it was because of grace that we have salvation. And it's when we fully understand that, that our life becomes all about Jesus. And I want you to think back to that moment when you first realized you needed grace. When did you first realize you needed grace? Was it, it may have been at the moment that you, your salvation experience, when you gave your life to Christ for the first time. If you were like me, you were maybe a young child when you gave your life to Christ. I was seven years old. And as a seven-year-old, there wasn't a lot of things going on in my life that I realized how bad of a person I was. 
However, I did realize that it wasn't about my works or anything good that I could do, but I needed Jesus Christ to die for me. I got that as a seven-year-old. But honestly, it wasn't until I was an adult that I fully understood grace because sometimes you don't understand grace until you have to give it or it's been given to you. And so I, I, when I had children, it really changed. Um, if you know my kids at all, they can be a handful sometimes. Addie, my daughter, she, when she was six months old, um, she just started crawling and she would begin to, and, and it was like she had a magnet on her forehead because as soon as she started crawling, the first place she would always go was right to the TV and right to the entertainment center and want to touch the buttons to the DVD player. The moment she started crawling, that's what she did. And I can remember this night like it was yesterday, but she, I was sitting on the couch watching a North Carolina basketball game and Addie was crawling right towards the TV. And if you know me, you don't interrupt a North Carolina basketball game, but she was, she was crawling right towards the TV and as she got right up to it, I said, Addison. And she turns around and looks at me. And I say, no, ma'am. Six months old. She looks at me, she smiles, and then reaches out and pushes the button. I don't understand how that happens. Like, I never taught her how to do the wrong thing. I've never taught my kids to be disobedient. But somehow, some way, they just choose to do that on a very regular basis, right? And you as a parent, if you're a parent or a grandparent in the room, you understand that being a parent, you better understand grace because you've got to give it out on a moment-by-moment basis, right? And so it's, it's one of those things, though, that it's not... The reason we have to give grace is because we have sin in our life, and it's not something that, it, that we learn, or that, that we learn, it's something that's just born into us. And this is not something that's brand new to us. This is not something that, you know, our generations in this room are learning for the first time. This has been going on since the beginning of time, since, since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve were tempted. We have been born with sin into our life. And so Paul writes this letter to Titus. And we're going to spend some time in Titus this morning. So if you want to open your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning. But Paul is writing this letter to Titus. And we start in verse 3, and he explains this very concept to Titus. And he says this, At one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice, envy, being hated, and hating one another. If, that, if the passage stops right there, it's, pretty, it's, it's, a, it's a sad moment. It's a terrible place for us to be. But that's who we are, and we have been born into that. We've all experienced those things. It's why Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 3 that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a part of who we are. We were born into that, and because of that, we deserve eternal separation from Christ. If we could just for a moment, just all be a little bit honest, all be a little bit vulnerable, and maybe a little bit transparent with ourselves, and maybe the room that sometimes, unfortunately, is the most difficult place for us to be honest and vulnerable and transparent. Let me remind you that this is the safest place for you to be that. But if we are all being a little bit honest, we could all say, Lance, if you knew what my past was, if you knew what my struggles were, those that I don't tell anybody about, if you knew what my thought life was like, if you knew what it was like to sit next to that girl in math class that you just want to, every day, 
If you knew what I was looking at on my computer screen, if you knew the way that I thought about my coworkers, if you knew the way that I didn't trust, if you know about the ways that I worry, why would God ever send his son? Why would he give? I don't understand it. And we've probably all had those moments where we felt that way. God, why would you choose to love me? Why would you choose to send your one and only son? Why would you give? If we're all being honest, we've had those moments. And in fact, some of us today could probably say, just like this past verse says, I've been foolish. I've been disobedient. I've been enslaved to some of my sin. I've been angry. I've been filled with hate. If we're being even more honest, probably many of you could say that that's happened this morning. Because you know what it's like getting four kids in a minivan trying to get to church. Right? We've all been there. We've all had those moments. We've all done that. But it's, it's in those times when we don't understand why God would choose to love us, why he would choose to show us grace, why he would choose to give his one and only son that it means the most. When we don't feel like we deserve it, it's when it means the most. And that's why it's awesome that it doesn't end in verse 3. It's why it's great that verse 4 happens, and verse 4 starts with a, with a word that says, but. We've been all these things, but. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. Verse 6. Um, excuse me. Um, Continuing, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. When we don't deserve it, Jesus still came. And when he got on the cross and he hung there and they laughed at him and they beat him and they spat upon him and they took a crown of thorns and they shoved it into his skull. He did that. He did that for you. He came knowingly that that was going to happen. He came knowing our past. He came knowing our mistakes. He came knowing our failures. And he still chose to do that for us. And he offered us complete and total and unconditional love. And complete and total and unconditional grace. Even when we can't understand why. And, because, and the great news about it is there is nothing that we can do that reaches beyond the love and the grace that Jesus showed us on the cross. There's nothing that we have done. There's nothing in our past. There's nothing in our struggles. There's nothing in the things that I mentioned just moments ago that says that outreaches what Jesus has done on the cross. He knew all of that and he still chose to come. He still chose to, God still chose to give. And it's in Romans, he told us in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and we deserve eternal separation. But in Romans 5, he tells us this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us as sinners. Chapter 5, verse 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While he knew everything about us, even though we were yet sinners, he still chose to do it. He still chose to come. He still chose to give. And that's, that's why we can't outgive God, because he gave enormously. He gave his very best, something that didn't cost us anything, but it cost him everything. And I love how, how Paul finishes this passage in, in Titus chapter 3, this, this, this 
kind of paragraph that he's writing here to Titus, and he says this in verse 7. He did all this so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. When we think of an heir, we think of, you know, someone that's following up as the next person in line to be the king or queen. We think of, you know, our inheritance. But here he is saying, you have the hope of eternity because you get to be an heir of Jesus Christ. He gave so that we could become an heir and spend eternity with him and spend eternity in heaven that on our own we could never get there. And our grace, that he, the grace that he shows us goes way beyond anything that we could ever give him back. And he says that you get to become an heir to the great I am. My favorite passage in all of scripture is Exodus chapter 3, and it's where God reveals himself by name for the very first time. And he tells Moses at the burning bush, when Moses is afraid to go to the Pharaoh to tell him to release my people, to release the Israelite people. And he says, and, he, and, and Moses is questioning God and says, who am I going to tell him sent me? And God tells him, I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. And it, on that day at the burning bush, it, God was telling Moses the very thing that he's telling us today, saying, I am the center of everything. I am running the show. I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the Savior. I am more than enough. I am immeasurable, I am inexhaustible, I am comforter, and I am God. And when the days come, and there will be days that come, when you are questioning him, when you are needing him, when you are searching and wondering and asking and struggling, at the end of every one of your desperate prayers, you can know that he gives you the answer of I am. So when you say, I need help, he says, I am your help. When you say, I need hope, he says, I am your hope. When you, when you say, who could possibly be smart enough to figure all this stuff out, God says, I am. When you say, nothing seems to be working, God says, I am. When, when, when nothing seems to last, he says, I am. When you say, I need a fresh start, he says, I am your fresh start. When nothing's real anymore, God says, I am. When nobody's listening to me, God says, I am. When you say I don't have a prayer, I am. When you say my marriage is falling apart and I don't know where to turn, he says, turn to me, the great I am. When you've given all that you can give and it's still not enough, God says, I am. When you say I'm tired, I quit, I, I, I just need a drink, I need a fix, I just need somebody to hold me, God says, I am. At the end of our every desperate prayer, and all the times that you say all the things that you are not, his answer will always be, I am. And that's the God who gave that we get to become an heir with and spend eternity with and have the hope of eternity in the great I am. There is nothing greater than that. So how do we live a life in response to that? How do we make, we, basically the only way we do that is we love him back. We love him with all, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We make our life all about Jesus. We give our life to him. He gave our life to us. So therefore we surrender everything to him. And when we are able to surrender every part of ourselves to him, it's very easy for us to also surrender our substance. One of the ways that we do this is by giving back to the church. The church that was established on Christ 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 and Galatians 2.20 speak to the fact that Jesus gave himself up for us, not so we could live for others, but so that we could live for him and for other people. So when we give ourselves up to God, we also give him back our substance. Because we know that nothing we have is ours, and we know that nothing we could ever give he is in need of. But in fact, our giving instead is an act of worship. So this morning as we, we talk about abundance, and we talk about the reason why we give, we give because he first gave. We give because he gave enormously. He gave the greatest gift that there could ever be. So our giving in response is just a thank you. So this morning as we prepare to give, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Our tithes and offerings are going to happen as always. But in the pew rack in front of you or in your together, John mentioned you have a white envelope that says abundance on it. And on this envelope, um, I want you to take your, a pen or a pencil or whatever you've got. And we want you to write this phrase, this is why I give. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity for you as, as a family or you individually or just whoever you're around, whatever, however you want to do that, to pray over an amount that you want to give. Yes, we're asking you to give your tithes and your offerings today, but we're also asking you to give a little more. We're asking you to give in abundance today. And it's when we recognize grace, when we recognize our grace moment, that moment when we don't understand why God would ever choose to love us or why he would ever choose to save us, why he ever chose to love us so much that he gave that we realize that our giving is not out of obligation and it's not out of, out of because someone's forced us to do it, but we give completely out of grace. So this morning we ask you to look it back at your life and say, what was my grace moment? What was the moment that I realized I could not survive if it were not for grace? I recognize that this could be a very difficult thing to write down. But I also want you to think through your time at Dawson. Whether you've been here for one week or 91 years since we opened our doors in 1925. And I want you to think about the ways that you have benefited from the shade of this church. The way that you've taken comfort and you've been able to feel and take respite in the shade that people that have gone before you have given. And I want you to think about how today you could be the person that is helping provide the shade for the generations after us. So as we prepare to give, I'm, like I mentioned, I'm going to give you just a couple moments for you just to pray over what it is that you would like to give back to God in abundance just to say thank you for what he's done for you. And after a few moments, I will come and close us out in our offertory prayer. John and the choir will then continue to, to lead and play, and then he will invite you to join him as well after the plates have been passed. But if you can, just now for the next couple minutes, just maybe it's as a, as a family, a husband and a wife. Maybe it's just you individually that you just need to, to pray over these things. Pray over why do I give? What's my reason? What's my grace moment? So if you'll take the next couple moments, I'll close this out right after that.